Hi there, before we start, if you're new to our show, thank you so much for tuning into our program and we hope you'll stay with us for a very long time. And if you're a regular listener, thank you so much for your continuous support throughout this period of uncertainty. We're really grateful for all your kind words and encouragement. You really help this podcast to gain a great exposure as our mission is to center the perspectives of the people who look like us and as women and people who are marginalized historically to the sideline of conversation. So if you haven't already, we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on Omni, Apple and Google or Spotify. Leave us a rating and a review. And if you'd like to support us, please head to Buy Me Coffee page to make a donation which will help us to continue the intersectionality of the podcast industry. Okay, hello everyone, this is Helen and you're listening to Asian Bitches Down Under. Writing can be a way of expressing emotion, keeping memories and conveying messages. Great literature work does not come easily, it takes effort and dedication in order to produce an outstanding literature novel and to be translated into multiple languages. Today I'm joined by an outstanding author who writes with full of emotion, revives memories and passes on messages. And he is Kevin Chen, Chen Sihong. Kevin Chen is a, a, a Taiwanese author who resides in Berlin, Germany. He is fluent in Chinese Mandarin, English and German. Kevin is an eccentric person with years of experience in performing arts and creativity in literature. Kevin has a bachelor degree in the English language from Furan University and a postgraduate degree in performance arts and drama from Taiwan National University. He's a multiple literature award winner. The awards include the prominent Taiwan Golden Iconic Award Jin Dian Jiang for Ghost Town in 2020 and 44th Annual Taiwanese Golden Tripod Award Jin Dian Jiang and other numerous publication awards. The latest award Kevin has received is the most popular author for the 2022 on Readmo, which is a Taiwanese ebook website. Kevin also writes short stories and essays which have been curated for primary school textbooks in Taiwan. One of the reasons that attract me to his work is that his hometown is not far from where I was from, so I was from Zhanghua as well. The reason that I use eccentric uh, in a positive way, of course, is that he's one of the most charismatic person that I've ever seen during online seminars. He begins his talk with small things that he enjoys sharing with his audience. For example, um, he shared a little touristy device that plays sounds of Berlin and German event calendars as we approach Christmas. Kevin doesn't shy away from social media where he actively talks about the interesting things that had happened in his life and he earnestly engages with his readers. He is well known for his love of food, especially gelato and his love of floral pattern shirts. So without further ado, it is my pleasure to introduce one of the most remarkable Taiwanese writer, Kevin Chen, Chen Sihong, to our listeners. Welcome, Kevin. Hello, people. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today on this conversation. I'm equally excited and nervous speaking with you. So it's currently 6.30 p.m. evening on the east coast of Australia and 8.30 in Berlin. And mm. before I flood you with questions about you and your work, um, 
how is how is it over in Berlin? What's the weather like? Well, it's cold. I, I don't know how's the weather down under because it's really, really cold here. It's sub zero and、oh, uh, it has been snowing a little bit, so it's just cold.、Mm, I see. Yeah, it's it's quite warm where I am. You know, as you can see, I'm in short, in t-shirt, and just went above thirty degrees today. Wow,、uh, very, very different. And this is the good thing that because we'll be talking about Ghost Town. Um, which will be set in summer, the season.、Um, we'll go into that a bit later. So,、um, what we want to start with is a bit of self introduction. Could you tell us a little bit about where you grew up? What's your family like, and what was your childhood like? Okay, so my name is Kevin Chen, Chen Sihong. So I, I I was born and raised in this very small town in Zhanghua, Taiwan. And this small town is called Yongjing, which, if you translate uh, um, Yongjing um, literally into, into into English, it's、um, eternal peace.、Mm-hmm. So, so it's a very small town with a very small population. However, I'm from a big family of、um, big population because I have seven sisters and one brother, and I was actually the ninth, the last in the in the、um, Chen family. Why do we have why do we have so many? Because、um, In order to get a son, which is a very important gender for a patriarchal society, my parents actually tried seven times.、Wow. So after seven failures, after seven unwanted daughters, they eventually got my brother. And、um, so people thought that, wow, okay, so that should be the end、um, of the journey for my mom and my dad. But eventually, they had me as the the、uh, the ninth. Why is that? Because Because I was actually born in the year of、um, 1976, which was the year of dragon.、Mm-hmm. And you know, if you are from a Chinese-speaking、um, community, you would know that the year of dragon is the year to have babies. So it's really funny because you know, people don't don't really give birth anymore. Like in Taiwan, there is a very low birth rate.、Mm-hmm. However, every every 12 year. Of course, you will have the the year of dragon. There's al- always a small Baby boom. That's、mm. what happened to me. Yeah. So I was born in this very competitive year of dragon、um, because my parent wanted to、um, try again to see if they get a dragon boy. So they got me. So I was born in this loud, big, crazy family in this very small town of Taiwan. Yeah. And and w- w- what else can I talk about myself? And so I, I never left the town until the age of eighteen. Then I moved to Taipei to study. Then my life sort of started to take off as as an emancipated emancipated person. But before that, I was just in this very conservative and traditional environment. So, what what changed after you arrived Taipei? What basically everything? Okay, so what what is what's small town life like? You know, I'm you know because we've been like I have been around the world. So every time I go to a big city and then I. Also, wanting to visit the small places as well. It's always what,、uh, what, what do we define a ghost town or a, a, a small place? Usually, it's a place like my 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 small town, my hometown. It doesn't have cinema.、Mm. You know, it doesn't have like a proper high street where you could shop. Um, it doesn't really have a big station, you know, like a big traffic um, um, center or hub or anything.、Um, and it 
doesn't have any arts. Um, I mean, of course, nowadays when we talk about arts, everything can be arts, right? Mm -hmm. But it doesn't have a museum. You know, it doesn't have. Well, when I was a kid, we didn't even have a library. You know, it doesn't. Have, we didn't even have bookstore, a proper bookstore that I where I could get books of literature. So you know, everything I couldn't get. I eventually um, got them in, in in the capital of Taiwan, Taipei, because there, there are theaters and museums and and bookshops and you know everything I craved. So of course, every everything changed、um, the moment I arrived in the capital. So when did you start writing, and what was your inspiration to write novels and well, stories? I think as 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 long as I could remember, I started writing、um, really as early as when I was nine or eight, because you know、um, before the age of seven,、um, um, I was only speaking my mother tongue, which is Taiwanese,、mm -hmm. and then going to the elementary school, you know, going to the proper educational system, I had to start learning Mandarin and Chinese.、Mm -hmm. um, at the moment, I I. I I got into this educational environment. I realized, oh wow, I love languages. I really do.、Um, I learn, I enjoy learning、um, new new words, grammar, and reading. And、I、actually, grew up in an environment where where we had a lot of books because you know we um books um back then in the in the seventies and eighties in Taiwan were really relatively cheap. You know, so we didn't have a TV. We were too broke to afford any um, any um, entertainment or recreation. So what we had was books. So my my sisters, I got seven of them. They all enjoy reading, so they always got tons of books borrowed or or or, or purchased, whatever. So I just read whatever they were reading.、Mm -hmm. So I was not really re I was not really reading, you know, children's books. You know, I was reading everything that they were reading. So romance, thrillers, anything. You know, a lot of things that were honestly inappropriate for my age. <laughs> I didn't care. The thing is, you know, when I was reading, I always, I, I always was imagining. I was always thinking, you know what? In the middle of the book, if I was a writer, I always thought, if I was a writer, how would I end this book?、Hmm. So, you know, so it's always started with this very small um, um, thoughts and idea and fantasy, and these fantasies. Sort of expanded to something that I that I、um, practiced. I started writing.、I、remember when I was about ten, the age like yeah, I think the fourth grade、um, in the Taiwanese educational system. I started writing my very first short fiction, which shocked my sister because I they read it because I left it on, on my desk and went you know for a nap. And I came back from the nap and、um, uh, this sister of mine read it and she was like, I don't think this is. Right for your age, because obviously I wrote something that was not really appropriate. You know? <laughs> She was, like, excuse me, oh my god, my brother is broken. Yeah. So um, and she didn't even encourage me to go down that road. She she was not like, wow, my brother is going to be a writer. No, she was like, oh my god, my brother wrote something that is so inappropriate. Okay, can, see, I, can I just sorry just to cut you sir.、No. Do do you mind to tell us what you wrote, or just the, like the brief plot of what you wrote? Was it? I don't because I'm not a keeper,、um, so I don't have that manuscript anymore.、Um, but I, I I don't remember the details. But it was something about a wedding, a purple wedding. Come on, what is a purple wedding? And、um, the bride wanted to run away because she was sleeping with 
with the boy from the bar or something. <laughs> and some sexual, dis- di- I don't know, description or something. I don't know, you know. So I was 10, for God's sake. And this is way before internet. And yeah. so how did I get that? I have no idea. Maybe from the books they, they were reading and I was reading. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Idea. So so that's how I started. Yeah. So, But I was never, you know, um, aspiring to be a writer or anything. I was just a kid. But um, very soon I realized that, you know, because we had writing school, which is called Zhuongke in Taiwan. Um, I was always sort of standing out. The, the teachers were always, re- I mean, they were always um, um, quickly realized that, oh, someone, this Kevin Chen in the crowd uh, enjoys writing very much. And his, 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 his works are very interesting. He loves playing with the language and stuff. And so I was always sort of, you know, joining. I was doing all the uh, writing competitions and, and won tons of stupid trophies and and, and 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 things. And so I realized maybe it's something I could do. So, but it was never, you know, I was not because, you know, when 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 you're a kid, they ask me, uh, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, it's always doctors and stuff. And and when you, I don't know about, you know, the situation down under, but the thing about in, in Taiwan is that when you tell people that you want to be a writer people will look concerned like mm-hmm. oh my god you want to be a writer it's like it's as bad as a poet or artist or installation art um expert or something you know why because they're concerned that oh you won't have proper income you're gonna ruin your life mm-hmm. uh, that you won't have a good life you know and it, it was very much the same for my generation as well so I did say something about, you know, oh, I want to be a writer in, in the future. And people were like, oh, no, that's a terrible, terrible aspiration. So, yeah, so I was never really encouraged. In, as a matter of fact, I was discouraged in, mm-hmm. in many places. Um, but somehow I still came back. So I guess that was the one true passion. That's amazing. What a great story from your youth. Now look what you have, you know, become. It's really amazing work that you're doing. Um, I know the answer for the next question, but I would like you to tell our listeners, how did you pick your English name? You know that oh. Kevin, Kevin is actually yeah. my brother's name, English's name. Really? Yeah. And I'll tell you, he, he picked his name. No, no, no. Okay, yeah, it's sorry, And I, I love the story. Okay, so, yeah, he so, picked his name. Kevin? Name from um, this American drama, which is called Wonder Years. I think it's nineties and the eighties. I don't know if you know. And there's a there's a, it's like a high school sweetheart sort of. I know. Yeah, I know that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my parents loved that boy character in the drama, and that, that that's probably the only appropriate drama we could watch when we were growing up. And then my parents suggest, oh, you can call yourself Kevin. We were still using our Chinese name the first year when we first um, arrived Australia. And then the second year, we're applying for citizenship and everyone's saying that you have to pick an English name. And then we all pick our English name and just happens that my parents were kind of obsessed with wonder years. <laughs> so my brother was named Kevin. And yourself? No, well, see that you know. Look what Hollywood did to us because <laughs> yeah. my story has a Hollywood stories as well. So I was this, you know, this unhappy child in this small town. So at the age of thirteen, I had to go into this junior high school, Guozhong, where we had to start learning English. So I was thirteen, and for an English class, everybody had to pick an English name just for the fun of it. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm pretty sure everybody in Taiwan has an English name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
just a trend, you know. It's not、yeah. really a game, but it's just something you do when you're learning English. Yeah. And um, um, the English teacher actually gave me a few choices, and I picked Kevin right away. Why is that? Because I saw a film. It's called Footloose,、mm-hmm. and it's a musical. Uh, where Kevin Bacon, oh my idol, when I was a kid, was dancing um、uh, with with his legs, with his uh um with his feet. It's called Footloose, and there's a wonderful theme song as well. And I loved that movie so much that I decided to name myself Kevin because of Kevin Bacon, the actor in that film. Because in this film, it's essentially about a small town.、Mm-hmm. Uh, in America, and it's about you know there is a dance um um um. Band, so you're you're banned from dancing and rock music. You're not allowed to dance. So,、um, and and this, there this suddenly there is this guy, this boy Kevin Bacon. He、uh, he came from the big town of Chicago and he landed in this small town and he started a revolution about dancing, about loving, and 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 that sort of just talked to me because I was trapped in this small town as well, and I I wanted to dance and sing. And, so I wanted to be. Um, Kevin Bacon. So that's why I named myself Kevin Bacon. So thank you, Hollywood. See, that's what Hollywood did to us. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So speaking of Hollywood and you know Western countries, what made you decide to go to Germany after your study? How how did that journey happen from after your study?、Um, and then did you went straight to Germany, or did you work in Taiwan for a little while before that you moved to Germany? Well, okay. The the the, the It is okay. This oh, because I now live in Berlin, Germany.、Um, so people ask me a lot.、Um, so why did you come here? But it all started from a very, very silly thing.、Um, so it was some、um, summer.、Um, I, so everybody was going away, and I was actually、um, studying、uh, studying in, in NTU, um, the NTU yeah, in the yeah、uh, um, Institute of Drama and Performing Arts, and I. Wanted to get away. Why is that? Because I was heartbroken. You know, I had this fling with a boy, and it's it's not it was not a thing. But the thing is, when you're young, you tend to、um, make everything dramatic. You know, everything is dramatic. You know, it was just a, a short chapter of romance. You know,、um, and it, which didn't really mean anything for both of us. We're friends now. You know, but you know, when you're young, you're like, oh my god, this is true. I'm heartbroken. I wasn't really heartbroken, but I was like. Sad, and I, you know, I couldn't write a song like Taylor Swift, so I just didn't go somewhere. And the thing is, I actually used that energy. I channeled that energy into writing. So I, before summer, I actually wrote like a piece of, of short fiction for a writing competition, which I won.、Mm. So I got some money,、yeah. and that money was going to be enough for my trip somewhere.、Mm-hmm. So I was like thinking, like,、mm, you know, should I just shoot? Some dart on the wall, and you know, on the map, and decided where to go. And I actually thought about Australia.、Mm. I thought about UK and thought about America. But eventually, eventually, I decided to go to Germany. It's really stupid because、um, I wanted to go somewhere where I don't understand anything,、mm. where I cannot read the signs or the language.、Um, for me, that's like really getting away. It's like adventure, right? So if I went to Australia, I would just understand people. So you wouldn't have been an adventure or something, and I, a friend of mine actually、um, gave me a CD as a present.、Um, it was a band from Berlin.、Mm-hmm. So I, just because of that, of that CD, I love that CD. 
you know, if the young people still don't know what that is, a CD is like a thing that you can play music with. And anyway, so I had a CD and I was like, well, this band's from Berlin. You know what? Let's go to Berlin. So I went to Berlin and that was 1998. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, it all started from that trip. Um, The moment I landed, but there were a lot of stories. Oh my, but, but it's a long story. Um, actually, oh, yeah. I, I, I actually wrote two books about that. But the, the thing is, um, I, I fell in love with the city, right? And I kept coming back. Eventually, um, I um, I got a job as a foreign foreign correspondent for for uh, for a TV station. So I started working as a journalist here in Berlin, mm-hmm. and so that's how it started. Um, so eventually, I moved here in the year of two thousand four. So it's been eighteen years. Mm-hmm. My gosh! Yeah. Goodness. Um, how did you pick up German? Did you learn German in? back in your tertiary education or did you pick, pick up German while you're um, living there? I, I, I picked up German when I'm living here because because it's it's virtually impossible. I don't know about you guys down there in, in Australia. If you, if you didn't speak a word of English, could you survive? I mean, I, I okay. assume... You can. Well, there, there is a large population of Asians and Chinese-speaking communities here. So you want, you want staff, basically. You yeah. have support, yeah. Well, there is that. That simply is a different story here because you know there's there is what the largest um, 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 Asian community here is Vietnamese, mm-hmm. and I don't speak Vietnamese, so that wouldn't have helped. Um, so I I learned. I really dedicated myself to learning language um, um, uh, as soon as I arrived, and it's it's a very difficult language, but it's mm-hmm. not. Well, the thing is, you know, uh, at the age of 13 i started learning english and i i i knew that i love languages mm-hmm. i mean i did a little bit of french when i was in college and and a little bit of that and, and this but i just knew that if i wanted to pick up a language all i had to do was just, just you know i just had to work hard mm-hmm. which is something that i did so i really like dedicate my time my energy and and i'm still really happy that i did that because you know without the language i would be so distant from this culture Mm-hmm. So, because with the language, I I could understand, and somehow I have more empathy and more connections. Wow, wow! I I can't I I don't know how to praise you because I think people who learn German is just just yeah, I'm kind of speechless. Yeah, I'm losing my my vocab to describe. But I know that German is one of the very difficult language to learn um on the face of planet on the face of Earth. Um, so speaking of life of uh, you in Germany, um, are they? I know that you worked in other jobs in Germany, in Berlin, uh, apart from your writing. I mean, that's something that I found out that we both have in common is that you work in film festival in Germany as well. You do the host and you do interpretations. Could you share about, uh, can you tell us about that experience? I think everything goes back to my passion for language. Mm-hmm. So. I love languages, so I write. Um, and when it comes to translation, interpretation, you know, it, it, it's for me, it's essentially very much the same thing. It's it's mm. my passion for, for cultures and languages. And um, I started working as a translator here in Chile. I don't, I didn't even know exactly how it happened, but I just somehow started uh, working as a translator, and then I, I enjoyed doing that very much because I was 
really it's really funny because I, I, I've been working um, in the Berlin Film Festival for years. I've been translating, um, you know, um, 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 and Chinese, Taiwanese, and German and English, and it's really a fun experience. Why? Because I got to meet a lot of Taiwanese superstars. I know, I know. <laughs> it's funny because there's no way I could, you know, even get close to these people in Taiwan. But somehow I live here, and I was their translator, so I actually got to spend time with them. It's really, really crazy. And 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 I'm also working as an actor, which I don't anymore because it's been it's been. We can talk about that because now we what well, it's all about diversity and mm. inclusion. So Hollywood now has more representations for Asian uh, characters and, and Asian characters. Um, uh, now they're getting more and more um, um, what they say chances, you know, to play better parts. But that is a totally different story here in Germany because it's, it's I mean it's really I mean Asian community is really a minority, mm. a minority group here and. Representations of Asian representations in t on TV and in movies is a disaster, really. Yeah, I've got so many awful auditioning experiences. I, I remember I was I was auditioning for for a, just a, a commercial, mm -hmm. and they wanted me to wear um, this kind of Vietnamese kind of hat. <laughs> So we, I don't even know yeah, the farmer's hat, the Asian, yeah, the very stereotypical, yeah, sort of for Asian farmers, yeah. Yeah, and I was required to, you know, to say some lines, and they complained that my German was too good. They wanted me to speak <laughs> German with accent, and I was like, okay, what kind of accent are you requiring me to? And they had no idea. And on the wall, they were pasting some strange signs that they believed to be Chinese, but it's they're not. They're simply not Chinese, and I told them, "I'm sorry, but these are not Chinese signs characters." And they were like, "Yes, they are. We found them on the internet." Oh my God. Like, sure, internet is always right. Yeah, sure. So I had a lot of terrible, awful experiences. I was actually lucky enough to get some very, very interesting um, 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 parts. So I was in films. I was on, on very funny and. Um, 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 Comedy on TV and, and and things, so they were wonderful experiences. But most of the time, I just you know this, as an Asian actor in Germany, you simply don't get interesting jobs. That's a fact, you know. So I decided to stop because acting. Why did I love acting? Because it has to go back to my passion for language as well. Because you know, acting there's a script it's based on a book or just a script. You learn a language and then you're there and you work with people. The thing about working with people is that because I'm a writer, you know, mm -hmm. and a journalist. When you're working as a journalist or as a writer, most of the time you're on your own. Okay, you go out, you gather some material, but eventually you have to sit in front of the, your laptop and just you know work on what work your ass off, and you are just by yourself. So nobody's helping you. And the thing is about about acting is that you know you have directors and lighting people, makeup people, the whole proper size of team. So you're working working with people, which I love really because I'm from a big family. You know, mm -hmm. I hate people, but I also love people. You know, it's a, it's it it's always like that. You know, it's a big family, so there are some people that you love, some people that you hate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I love that so much. But no matter what I do, you know, as a translator, as an author, as an actor, as a journalist, I think it's you know it's for me it's essentially all the same thing. Because mm, you work with language, you work with words, you work with everything that we communicate. Yeah.
My next question for you is:、um, as a child who was born in the seventies in a small town in Taiwan, what was the experience for you growing up?、Um, you, when you identify yourself as a gay person, and what's the differences that you observe between how the society responds to your identity between Tai your what you、um, compared between Taiwan and、uh, Germany? What you see that are different? Obviously, it was not easy, you know. So this is okay. I was born nineteen seventy six, so I was growing up really in the eighties, and I was a teenager in the eighties. Then I I went to high school in the nineties.、Um, just let's dial the time a little bit back to the eighties.、Um, so AIDS just happened.、Mm. So I I literally had teachers in our classroom, like my homeroom teacher would、uh, say this really. Loudly to all the students, saying that you know,、um, although all the homosexuals are condemned with AIDS, they will rot and burn in hell. And really, and so、um, I always knew I was different.、Mm. I knew that I was um, um, well in every possible way. First of all, I I loved、um, arts and words, and that was not exactly encouraged. Because you know you're not considered manly enough in that in that system, and I loved everything that a girl sh- you know is supposed to love. But I enjoy those things, you know. Yeah, so that was not easy. And it just、um, let's talk about the uh, the uh, political environment because the uh, the uh, the martial law in Taiwan was only abolished in the year of nineteen eighty seven. So before the year of nineteen eighty seven, it was.、Uh, Very. I mean, the society was really a stressful society, you know, because of martial law, and and there was, you know, I mean, nowadays we talk about inclusions and diversity. No, that didn't happen. That was unheard of. So of course it was it was very different、um, time. It was very very.、Um, I was suffocated, you know, very much. That's why I wanted to go to Taipei. I want to just go somewhere else, you know, where.、Um, My teachers wouldn't condemn me in the classroom, you know, and um, and but if I really had to compare with the physical environment now, where I am now in Germany, of course, you know, because Germany, um, um, the, uh, well, it's uh, it's been a long journey as well, um, because um, 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 homosexuality was literally illegal, you know,、uh, was written in law, it was only about abolished in the nineties. After the、uh, reunification between West and East Germany, as a matter of fact, the East Germany, you know, the communist German、uh, Germany, they abolished this law way before the so-called emancipated and free. Oh, okay. And, oh, that's an interesting. That yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So it's really funny.、Um, of course, it's been a long way,、um, but now because I live in a big city, so we all know that. W- why do A lot of、um, LGBTQ um, plus um, members、um, they would、uh, rather prefer living in the big city because you know more accessible. Yeah, metropolitan tends to be more accepting of the、yeah. community. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and it's 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 also the same in Taiwan as well. I mean, think about that because because it, when when you are in a small town, it's it's a very interwoven, intertwined、mm-hmm. society. Where you are so close to everybody, so there's a lot of gossip and a lot of talks about you. And when you are different, simply different. If you are too white, you're too dark. Your hair is too long, or you're too tall, or something. You know, if you just you're simply different, 
you somehow became the target of、mm. something. You know, by when you are blending yourself in a you know environment of a of a metropolitan、um, environment, you can find your corners where you are accepted, where you feel most comfortable. You know, I'm not saying that life in the big city is always dreamy and good. No, 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 no. And so, there, you know, we all know that. Yeah,、um, the happiness. What can you really find happiness in this big environment of a big city? I, I, you know, I really, I think, I really think that depends on、um, the personal journey.、Yeah. Uh, but I'm really happy in the in, in the big city because I I do have my corners where I feel mo- most comfortable,、mm-hmm. and.、Um, In terms of the、uh, LGBTQ、um, and plus community, we actually at the beginning of the century in Berlin, we all, we already had a gay mayor. His、mm-hmm. name was Klaus Wolverheit, and so、um, we have people who outed themselves in, in the in the in, in the parliament, and and there is good representations. Not much for the Asian gay community.、Mm-hmm. It's still very much unseen, you know. I'm hoping to change that, but how, you know?、Um, but the thing is, you know, so、uh, living in the big city, it's okay because you know you can just stay away from people. You can dis- somehow find a way to distance yourself、yeah. from people. So it's okay-ish, but it's very much the same in Taipei as well.、Mm-hmm. I would say because now every time I'm in Taipei, I see boys and girls holding hands. I mean, you know, like same sex. Uh, pairs on the street holding hands and kissing, and I love that. I mean, it's, it was really funny because let's dial time back. Let's turn back time a little bit in the '90s.、Um, because I was a theater major, right? We were studying theater, and you know that in the education uh, uh, environment, if you are an actor or you're studying acting, you're in acting school, you are always an eccentric. Group, right? Because people were like, "Oh my God, those actors insufferable," you know. <laughs> and we were indeed insufferable. We enjoy and played that. So what did we do? We would go to,、um, like I remember this. You know, after lunch, you know, we would see uh, uh, like heterosexual couples kissing or making out on the street. And we, as the gay guys or lesbian guys, or you know, there were some、um, heterosexual、um, allies with us as well. We would go there as a group, as a, and we would we would simply like, wow. A man and a woman kissing <laughs> on the street. Ouch! Disgusting! And we'll run away. Yeah. So it's really, really crazy, you know. So we just, you know, just trying to reverse that 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 discourse, that narrative, you know.、Mm-hmm. So we're doing this in the nineties, but just just imagine this because we finally、um, have reached、um, this step where we, you know, legalize same-sex marriage in in, in Taiwan. Um, which is still the very first one in in Asia, which is a shame because we were looking forward to some kind of domino effect that we will somehow have an impact on our neighbors.、Yeah. Well, well, you know, our very big fat neighbor, juicy neighbor, called China. It's pretty hard for them. You know, I I feel bad for the LGBTQ plus com- communities in China because they're really really struggling. Yeah, yeah. I, I really wish them well and.、Um, All I can tell them is that if they can get out, get out. You know, it's really. But not everybody can get out. That's the problem. You know, you know, we like my books. You know, people always ask,、um, "Well, so what are your books about?" I would say that my books are always about getting out,、mm-hmm. the impossibility of getting out, because we are always trapped. We don't like what we have. We don't enjoy where we are, and so we need to get out, because getting out is luxury. 
mm-hmm. you know, is impossible. So the thing is about legalizing same-sex marriage and make, making sure that your society has has really a spectrum of of diversity. Is that you can make sure that people who are different can have their own rights as well. You know, so that there's a safety net for everybody. I really love the fact that in Taiwan we have we have reached this far. You know, but doesn't mean that the, the journey has reached an end. No, 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 no. You know, the thing is, there is still a lot of discriminations, and um, we still need more representations, and we still need to advocate that a lot. But still, I think so far we're doing an okay job. Yeah, I do think that we're on to the right path, but、um, it really depends country by country.、Um, Australia, we have、uh, we had the, our third year of anniversary of same-sex marriage just a couple of weeks ago, and it's still I'm still teary when I hear the announcement because we had to go through the plebiscite, which is similar to Taiwan, where they had the referendums and. Vote through the public citizens, which was really disheartening because most of the public citizens in Taiwan didn't vote vote yes when it first went through, and it was actually the opposite in Australia. So it was really great when it happened three years ago.、Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I mean it's it's still a journey. I think it's still a journey that everyone's still、um, traveling through. Yeah, absolutely.、Um, I would like to move on to Ghost Town. And can I make a confession before we start talking about Ghost Town? Sure. I actually started reading your summer trilogy backwards. <laughs> What I mean by summer trilogy is,、um, I'll ask Kevin to elaborate on that a little bit later. But I cannot remember who shared a post or a news article about writers from Central Taiwan.、Uh, might have been Grey Ten or someone from the Taiwanese、um, publishing industry. I saw your、um, latest novel. Low、uh, Shang 的好人 which is literally translated to "Good Man of Upstairs,"、um, followed by "Florida 变形记 Journey of Transformation in Florida,"、um, and finally, I read "Ghost Town" at the very end. So my sequence of the summer trilogy perhaps is different to others, and I can say, like to our listeners, please do get Kevin's go and get Kevin's novel and read it if you think. Ghost Town is great. Wait until you read the next two novels.、Um, once they, I hope I'm hoping that will be translated very soon.、Um, but if you can read Chinese, obviously get onto all three books、um, now. I highly recommend the next two volumes of Summer Trilogy. And Low Sound Holland is one of those rare works that Kevin have really perfected the skill of building the narratives and creating a very explosive climax in the final chapters of. The novel, and I, I I cry at the end. Yeah, I was, while I was reading your book, I cry at the end. Yeah. So、um, speaking of Ghost Town, Ghost Town、um, is a novel of narratives of people who are alive and who are dead. The one who we call Ghost,、um, the novel centers on the story of Keith Chan, who recently returned home after serving jail time in Germany and his family in Central Taiwan. There are perspectives and voices of ghosts and living beings. Explorations into family tragedy and Taiwanese culture through generations. When reading the novel, you can't help to ask the question: Who is struggling the most? New York Times has recently、um, wrote a review about Ghost Town, and here's I would like to quote one of the、um, statement that the reviewer said. He said the narration has associative fluidity that mirrors often to thrilling effect. 
the mechanics of memory are common by elusive writerly target. Um, as usual, New York Times reviews made it so hard to understand, but <laughs> I believe it was a very positive review. So, can we start with how you began the contract of summer trilogy? How did that all come about? First of all, New York Times, baby, come on! I got reviewed on New York Times. This is really a personal achievement because this is come on, this is New York Times.、Yeah. Um, And I enjoy reading that review very, very much. I actually wrote the、uh, the writer,、um, um, Peter C. Baker, who is a novelist as well.、Oh, so、okay. I just I just ordered his novel. I wanted to read, you know,、um, because because I really I'm really full of gratitude.、Um, uh, let's go back to summer trilogy. So、um, uh, the year 2018,、um, was actually summer. I was in I was in Taiwan, and. Come on, you know that the sweater, the, the sweltering heat, you know the scorching、yeah. climate in summer in in Taiwan. It's with the humidity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you sweat, you know, right? So you are just not you when you are. I shouldn't say in heat because that means something <laughs> else. Heat changes everything. So I was like, oh my god, I couldn't wait to get out and. Uh, my publisher now,、uh, Mirror Fiction, came to me, and、um, they were、um, asking me about the possibility of、um, of starting a very crazy contract, which is、um, three years. I would have to give them three proper size of novels. Wow,、mm-hmm. that sounds a bit crazy because you know, I mean, it's、um, according to the contract, it's really like a very big, thick book. I mean, for each novel. And I was really considering, and then they came up with the money. I was like, okay, sure, yeah, because money <laughs> was good. You know, you should never say no to good money. So I signed the contract. And how? It's, because it's honestly a crazy, crazy idea that the fact that you have to finish three novels in three years. So many,、yeah. you know, you just you need to be prepared. And luckily, I already had three stories in my head,、um, and I wanted to use the idea of a trilogy. So. I mean, so that it could really help me to go through this you know, three-year journey, and luckily it really helped.、Um, I wanted to start writing something that I really hated. You know, when you're writing, you either write something that you really love or something you, re- you really hate. And I decided with hate, of course, I'm a person full of negative energy. You know, so <laughs> I wanted to write about hate. So I'm targeting hate. And what did I hate? I was in Taiwan, so I was like, "Oh my god, I hate this heat. This is awful. I'm not me at all. I'm cranky.、Mm-hmm. My temper is foul,、mm-hmm. and and it's simply not pleasant when you sweat so much." So I was like, "You know what? Might as well just use summer as a backdrop, you know, as a setting for my trilogies." That's how I started, you know. And the first book I started,、uh, I mean, with the trilogy was、uh, Ghost Town. It's actually a pickup because I actually started Ghost Town when I was. In my early thirties,、mm. so more than ten years ago, you know,、um, I always wanted to、um, write a novel based on my family、mm-hmm. because it's really a wonderful source of of energy and stories, right? And、um, so I wanted to go there, but when I was in my thirties, in my early thirties, thirties, I was probably too young. I was probably not bitter enough. Really, I was simply too、uh, too naive. <laughs> I was still exploring. And it just simply didn't work. So I saved the files that I worked on. I just never went back. And so year 2018, I went back to those files, and you know it just started. And this time I couldn't stop.、Mm-hmm. And then it became Ghost Town. And so I really, it's it all the summer trilogy all 
began with a silly idea that I wanted to write something that I hated, which is summer. And I really hate summer. I still do. Now we have this crazy winter now. Um, it's it's sub-zero, but I love it actually because my head is really clear in winter. Mm. I can actually be like, so mm. I actually love summer. Yeah. So, I hate summer and I love winter. Yeah. Oh, so that's yeah. how this whole thing began. Ah, I see. Yeah. I think summers usually would just make people sloppy. Whereas during winter, that you're more clear, that you're concentrate more because it's the, that temperature is cold, and you know that you have to work on something there. Um, so my my own response to Ghost Town, I I, pers- I read both Chinese and English translated version of Ghost Town and enjoyed all you know most of it. Um, I personally, for myself, I enjoy reading the Chinese original more just because I perceive the language. Of what you wrote in the original better than the translated version. I mean, translated version was great, but there's always like a distant feeling about it. I mean, for example, you know, the names were changed into English name names, and um, of course, you know, uh, Professor Daryl Stark, Stark, who is the translator for this work, he's amazing translating Chinese novels. He had worked with Wu Ming Yi, and his novels were not easy to work on for translation. But somehow, as a reader. I kind of wish that the name would have maintained, you know, remained as Chinese, but but that's just me. Um, I want to talk about the concept of ghost for Ghost Town. Where did the concept of uh, ghost uh, gui in Chinese came from for you? Okay, first of all, let me just um, um, shout out to Professor Stark, who did a great job for my book. and. Um, he actually came to me when he wanted to change the names into the, you know, mm. when it, English names like um, instead of Chen Tianhong, it's Keith Chen now in the English translation. And I just said right away, sure, because um, I, I myself work as a translator as well, so I know how important it is to gain the trust from the mm. author. So I gave him my hundred percent trust. And I just, I just told him that you can do whatever you wanted to, because I really uh, enjoy your work because I actually read his translation before. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, I, I, I wrote Ghost Town, so I know what the book is about. I simply cannot read the book over and over again. You know, as a matter of fact, I never went back to my books. You know, I cannot because, because like, um, I actually just read um, an interview um, of this great Japanese writer Murakami. Mm-hmm. He, he also says we, we share the same experience that we never go back to our books and uh, readers will ask us questions that we don't remember because we did not we yeah because going back to your books that you mean know, the books that you wrote 10 years ago it's a very dangerous thing you're like oh my god what the hell did i write you so know? you start uh, critiquing yourself yeah it's it's horrible don't do that you know um so I think I could not always read um, Daryl's translation because it's, it's, it brings back this painful journey of writing a book. <laughs> Terrible. But anyway, um, 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 I, I, I just adore his translation. I, I'm forever grateful. But um, th- th- let's go back to the idea of ghosts. Um, the thing is, I grew up in Taiwan, this small town. Mm-hmm. It's full of ghosts. Why am I saying that? Like my parents were in intimidate me and other children with the stories of ghosts so like every summer you know there is this whole month of ghosts the ghost month mm-hmm. where there are so many do's and don'ts what well, usually don'ts you know so don't go swimming don't go camping 
don't ride a scooter, don't ride a bicycle, don't get married, don't get a divorce because everything is full of ghosts. So, yeah. Yes. So it's you know you're actually dominated by the culture of ghosts. As a matter as a matter of fact, I was not allowed to learn swimming because my mother believed that there was ghosts in the water. Yeah, you know, and went... yeah, what a ghost! Yeah, I I grew up listening hearing those stories as well. I know. So the the, the thing is, you know, um, um, the 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 ghost culture is so dominant that that I decided to 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 make sure that it's part of my book is because it's very much part of our life in mm-hmm. reality. You know, whether or not you believe in ghosts, it's there. You know, and it's really funny because then I started because I was an English major and I started reading uh, Western literature. I mean, well, realized that ghost is a very big part in Western literature as well, like Shakespeare, right? In Macbeth, in Hamlet, um, he wrote about ghosts, which are very important parts on the stage. And not just that, you know, a, a lot of American writers write about ghosts as well. And and they're very, very different from the Taiwanese ghosts, of course, you know, mm-hmm. because the power of Taiwanese ghosts is that they can be found in anything literally yeah and yeah yeah and the thing is when whenever i'm in taiwan i'm actually scared because you know it goes everywhere yeah they're everywhere (laughs) but the thing is whenever i'm back in germany because people here do not talk about ghosts Mm -hmm. there's no such culture as ghosts you know and halloween is not even a thing here i mean it's Mm. slowly becoming a sort of american thing that people have fun with but not really, you know. So um, I that fear just you know instantly vanished. Mm-hmm. And but whenever I'm in Taiwan, I'm again immersed in that um, ghost culture, in that spooky culture. It's literally very scary. And and, and I, I realized one thing: why is it so scary? Because it's invisible. It's in you. Um, yeah. yeah. And what's invisible what's not tangible what's not physical it's really the scariest you know so so of course i had to make sure that it was part of my book and but the thing is um if 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 you ever read this book um, ghost town you would know that i actually play with the word ghost what is a ghost yeah um um history can be a, you know and the past can be ghosts that would always be haunting you as well yeah. so the notion of ghost um, is very much played and expanded in the book. Mm-hmm. I see. I think for me, the context of ghosts, um, I mean, I grew up listening to a lot of ghost stories. My own understanding is that not into much more later, um, that it was a way to create fear for children. And mm-hmm. in the novel, fear was created by human. Fear was created to manipulate and constrain people and make people to submit into certain behaviors. Like, for example, in the um, novel that I remember, uh, there was a business about selling air guns that was popular in the village. And rumors were created that robbers was you know robberies were happening. And essentially, that in Chinese culture, it's not into much later that I understood that a lot of things were created through fear. And mm-hmm. also speaking of um, the water ghost that you were talking about a little bit earlier, just then, Shrekwe, uh, I believe, um, it's not until that I met my husband. He asked me why Taiwan is an island nation, that there are a lot of people who doesn't know how to swim. Uh, <laughs> and 
I'm sure it's much better now, but in our parents' generation, or even in our generation, that I, I still see a lot of people who can't swim. And children, I guess children were forced to concentrate on academic studies, and also you know nothing else. And it was only until that I heard from another fellow Chinese diaspora say that government back then during martial law had a lot of control over. The movement of citizens and keeping the citizens within the island is the way to control them. And obviously, they don't want the citizens to get close to the beach, to the water. That's why it was somehow that a lot of you know Chinese were not too taught、uh, how to swim. And also, you know, the rumors of、uh, water ghosts were created to. Not really created for people to understand the reality of the water currents and movements、uh, around the ocean, but instead of just creating those fear for you not to get to the beach, yeah, to like I don't know, to perhaps、um, speed up the、um, the proximity to get to the、um, Communist Party of China or something like that. But、uh, yeah. no, I totally agree with that. Actually, it's a very.、Uh, In- interesting perspective on this culture because okay, let's let's talk about swimming culture because I've been、um, to Australia、um, like ten years ago or something. I enjoy the beaches very much, really. I think the Australian beach culture is wonderful. Yes, you know, I was I was looking forward to some sharks, you know, but I didn't see any <laughs> sharks. Yeah, but it's beautiful. And people really enjoyed um,、mm. um, sunbathing and swimming, and it's a. The thing is, you know, when you think about going to the beach, it's very much about being emancipated.、Mm-hmm. You know, think about that. In the last century, in the beginning of the last century, women were not allowed to go、yeah. to the beach. You know, and, and wearing, you know, like you know, bathing suit or anything. So it's essentially when we think about、um, swimming culture, especially for women, wearing a bikini or wearing bathing suit or going swimming is already some sort of liberation. You know,、mm-hmm. and and. You know, nowadays, you know, of course, it's not, it's not like it's perfect already or whatever, you know. But now, on the, let's talk about the Australian beach. You do see different people enjoying the beach, and in that open space, you see diversity and people. You know, the thing is about is that wearing a bathing suit. You know, it's very much about um um talking to your own anxiety. Yes, I, I totally yeah. understand. Yep. Yeah, because we hate our bodies. I'm too fat. I'm too thin. I'm not big enough. You know, I'm. You know, it, it's it's never good enough. You know, and so on the beach when you, you have to wear a bikini or a bathing suit or a speedo because I wear a speedo. You know, and whenever I'm in America, when I wear a speedo, I scare a lot of Americans. You know, because <laughs> yeah, because guys wear in America they wear swimming trunks like really long and baggy swimming trunks. You know. And when you wear speedo, they right away label you as, "Oh, look at that queen over there!" You know, that's the thing. But I enjoy offending people now, you know, because come on, I'm a middle-aged man. I don't care, you know. <laughs> so swimming culture is indeed, you know, it's it's in every culture. You can talk about this, you know, like endlessly because it's about gender, it's about liberation, and also the ghost culture as well. You know, so. Whenever something happened in a, on the beach in Taiwan, like someone was just you know someone drowned or anything,、uh, my parents was oh it must be the ghost or something you know instead of you know because there there is a proper explanation of what really happened, but they you know the first notion that they had was always there must have been a ghost.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, so 
yeah, I'm really glad that you you brought this up because I I really I, every time I travel to a new destination, I always want to observe the beach、mm-hmm. um, culture because I think it's it really reflects a lot about you know the physical emancipation of that very. Um, environment. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think with the beach culture in Australia, it's it's becoming a lot more diverse, as you say. And it's not until I got much older that I give myself the permission to liberate myself to wear like bikinis on beach and seeing other people. I think a lot of Asians that still has a lot of barriers to、um, jump through that. Um, to liberate themselves、um, wearing bikinis because in Australia I don't think everyone there's so many different body types on the beach that we just、oh. I'm just so happy to see that I no one cares literally no one cares how you look like what you look like as long as you're enjoying yourself under the sun yeah I want to continue to talk about just、uh, on the last bit about the superstition. I think、um, when it comes to Zhongyuan Pudu, I don't even know how to translate it in that. I think it's like a worship during Ghost Month. The conservatives,、um, you know, the people who are superstitious, loves to talk about importance of honoring the dead people.、Um, I'm not very, I'm not totally familiar with the culture in Taiwan now that. For,、uh, for example, they still worship their ancestors. They worship their、uh, people who are who passed away.、Uh, therefore, you must prepare all this food to worship the dead people. And it's a culture that shocked to me when I was growing up with these ideas. Not into again with my white family around me saying, challenging me, and asking me the questions like, why do you look back and try, you know, and worship the people of dead rather than. You know, look after your next generation. I remember the Chinese culture that perhaps in other cultures too. That the way that society perceives death,、um, the time—I I don't know if it's a Confucius thing that they heavily believe that you need to worship ancestors because that it will impact your future generations. Is, is that correct? Am I am I saying that right? You're absolutely correct. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing is, the、um, I want to talk about graveyard, okay? Because、um, where I live now in Berlin, in the city,、um, like a few blocks away, there is a proper size of graveyard, and people simply don't care.、Mm. It's really part of the city, and people actually enjoy the green environment in the graveyard because the graveyard is where you can find peace. It's, yes. It's you know it's 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 green or not, obviously not in winter but it's like a, even people even、um, take a walk in in graveyard yeah. Yeah. and think about this in Taiwan it will never be in the heart of the city no、yeah. it's always you know on the in in the margin of the of, of the city in the suburban area why is that because people believe that death and graveyard it's bad you know because it's a bad thing. And and so they cannot embrace, they cannot、uh, just you know live with the idea that there are dead people near you. You know,、mm-hmm. that's totally a different story. I mean, there's I don't know about Australia, but here in the city, actually, people do not care about living with the dead. You know, as a matter of fact, you know, housing projects next to a graveyard can be quite expensive because first of all, it's really quiet, right? And it, there's there are trees. You know, so people simply don't care. 
But that wouldn't be the story, you know. That story wouldn't fly. Imagine there is a building, there is a condo project in Taipei, saying, you know, and then it's built right next to graveyard. Oh, that wouldn't sell. Of course not. So you know, so the the the, the ghost of the you know the culture of ghosts really is so dominant that people cannot mm. uh, let go of the dead. You know, and and I'm not being judgmental. It's it's the beauty yeah. of the culture. Yeah. Yes. That it's what people. A belief, you know, it's the it's that system. Um, but for me personally, as the last son in the family, it's very exhausting mm. because this has a lot of gender aspects, right? Like, um, we will have to worship the ancestors and my parents who are now long, long, no longer with us. You know, these rituals and ceremonies and practices are usually uh, done by men. Mm-hmm. It, Women are usually in a lot of ceremonies forbidden to be part of the whole thing. I was like, "Excuse me, you know, this is really bad." So, talk, let's talk about the cremation of my mom. So after the cremation, they had to put the the rest of my mom in, into an urn, mm-hmm. and they requested the son to use chopsticks to pick up the remain, like the bone mm-hmm. ashes, um, from there was some kind of tray into the urn. But only men were allowed to do that, so my brother and I had to do that. And I was like, you know, I was this um, English major who studied some feminism. You know, I was <laughs> like, excuse me, that is so wrong. My sisters should be allowed to do this as well. And my sisters, who are very much liberated, of course, later they were like, oh, it's okay, it's okay, we don't need to do that. It's okay because it's been a long day. It's crazy. But it's, if you think about that, you know. Um, it's it's very much still a, v- a very patriarchal society. So mm-hmm. let's talk about superstition. A lot of legends and ghost stories and 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 and, and, and tales in Taiwan. I mean, when it comes to you know um, um, spooky t- uh, tales and stories, um, a lot of um, um, ghosts are actually female. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I have a theory for that. I have a theory for that. And yeah, what well, have- well, my theory is that it's it's. Um, when you become a ghost, as a female ghost, you can it can come back in revenge. Mm-hmm. You can do all the things that you are not allowed to do as a living female, yeah. and you are only allowed to do those things after you are a ghost. Then you are emancipated. You know, mm-hmm. so that's I, I I do believe that these tales were actually the the very true reflection of a patriarchal society. That's just mm-hmm. my take on it. Yeah, I I agree what you said, and I, I think my theory is similar to what you were talking about as well. My theory of、uh, most ghost stories in Taiwan are usually females.、Uh, is that because、um, they die because of their pain during being a human? You know, a, a lot of stories that we heard when I was growing up、uh, of female ghosts, they either die by suicide or they either die by abuse of men. So, and、yeah. coming back as a ghost is something like you said. They're, they're liberated. They can do anything like they like. And I can vividly remember <laughs> this female ghost story, where she was she was dead while she was pregnant, and then to avoid her coming back alive, the people in the village had to tie up her her foot together to avoid her coming back alive to walk on the earth again. But then she still came back. She she came back walking with her two hands, and when I was growing up, that just freaked me out <laughs> totally. When I was a young kid, 
I don't know. It's just like going back to again. It's a, a sense of fear as well. That、um, a lot of these stories,、uh, female ghosts, was a way were a way to kind of manipulate and control young girls' behavior.、Mm, um, right. A lot of stories they were reflecting on how that were women were promiscuous. They were not behaving themselves. That's what they that that's why they die. I I don't really think that I heard many of the. Ghost story that involved male, except for maybe in the military,、um, but that's yeah, that's about it. Yeah,、um, I want to move on back to the uh, novel. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that, that actually, the first emotional trigger for me during reading Ghost、uh, Town is actually the dog Blackie, <laughs> the girl, the the dog from the childhood memory. Um, I don't know about others, but、um, I think if you're growing up in a small town or growing up in Taiwan, you have a, you will definitely have a memory of dog and that part about Black Blackie. I just cried nonstop because I had a dog when I was younger as well, and I had a very short period of time and was given away. So that really, really was heartbroken for me. I love how the way that you constructed every characters,、um, cicadas,、um, the mum, the very conventional, typical Chinese mother who grows up in that era. You know, I think、um, the name also is a great metaphor for the sound of summer and also gossiping.、Um, you know, the rumors echoing through the village. The, the, the cicadas here in my area is just. Definitely during summer, you can literally can hear anyone talking next to you.、Um, the construction of the character of the father, the typical Chinese father with almost no voice.、Um, however, that he did get his own narrative once he died, you know, as a ghost.、Um, I love seeing how you、um, constructed the way the inequality between boys and girls. I can tell that you were trying. Very trying very hard to give the voice for all the sisters or the female characters in the story.、Um, what else are there? There's the narratives of the business rising in Taiwan, the economy between Taiwan and China.、Um, also, there's a.、Um, I just love the style of writing, multiple characters. Some people might say that it's very hard to、um, follow it up to to keep going, but I think. Every characters had their own narratives, and you know, in this novel, that ghosts have the power to narrate their own stories and opinions.、Um, I believe I've I've listened to、uh, some of your Chinese podcast in,、uh, interviews, but I found it interesting that there's no、uh, no questions that were focusing on the part about the German you know, the Germany section. So I, I like to know that the context of prison. How does Where did that came from?、Um, while listening to one of the interview,、um, you said that one of your friend thought that it was something that really happened to you <laughs> that you murdered someone. <laughs> you went to jail. That's that's why it was, you know, adapted into the novel. But it's not true. But I, I would like to know that why the context of prison and murder. Well, first of all, it, I think one would have to really finish the book to realize because. It's the you know it's the unsolved mystery that you only realize when you reach you know the later you know 
final chapters of the book. You know, so I cannot really just you know um, um, give you all the spoilers、um, because people are listening to this podcast, right? But all I can say is that I、um, that part、um, because the the book started with with, with homecoming.、Mm-hmm. He's changed. Home because he served his time in jail in in Germany. Why? Because he he killed his、uh, German boyfriend. And why did that happen? You know. So there is a story behind that. What I can tell you is that I want to use that as a mirror um, um, between um, 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 Taiwanese polit-、uh, politics and German politics.、Mm-hmm. Um, um, So it it just happened really、uh, in the past few days, and the headline of, of Um, of the news here in Germany is that there is a, a, a extreme right wing group,、mm. very much Nazi. They wanted to、uh, overthrow the government. Yeah, they already have their cabinets and they already have their future ministers. I mean, these are clowns. These are crazy people. Really, yeah, they're really extremists.、Um, but they really had a proper um, 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 organization with weapons. So luckily, they were busted before they took actions.、Um, but Things like this,、uh, it's it's very much、um, in the society right now. You know, the、uh, people are being radical because now we use social media, but social media is so bad for a lot of people that because it somehow narrows your imagination. Because you know, when we're using social media, we become very selective. You know, we only talk to those people who the are on the same. Yeah, the algorithm works out who you should be talking with. It 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 puts you into a vacuum. I know. So you never talk to people outside of your circle, which is very bad, you know. And that's what happens now because people get radicalized through a lot of websites, you know, because somehow and somehow that has become their reality. So you know, I'm really careful with this old social media thing. But you know what? The thing is, I need to do promotion, so I need to talk to people. So I, social media is still a very convenient platform for that. But the thing is, you know, because I wanted. The, the story of murder to be, because that part of history in Germany, for me, you can actually relate a lot to what really happened、um, in Taiwan: the terror, the interrogation, and the society that really needed to be um, 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 emancipated and liberated. And so, I wanted to be as a mirror. So, and、um, it's actually very, mu- very much based on a personal story, which I cannot tell too much because it's. Um, a friend of mine—it's really what happened to a friend of mine.、Mm. Um, so, with his permission, I was allowed to、uh, make that、uh, awful story、um, part of my book.、Mm, I see.、Um, how do you think the readers from non-Chinese or non-Taiwanese background will perceive your work? Your work. What do you think that would they will feel? Do you think that they would understand more a bit of Chinese? Would they? I'm hoping they will, you know, hook them on into reading more Chinese works. You hope so. I,、uh, first of all, the honest, honest answer to that is I have no idea because because you know my English translation just got published. It was published in the,、um, the end of August in the UK, and now、um, the end of August finally in the North American countries. And so I have no idea, but now I do. Um, want to know? Of, you know, well, I got New York Times, right, and 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 I got a lot of positive reviews. So I believe somehow. Well, I do really believe in the power of a good story.、Mm-hmm. When I finished Ghost Town, I knew that I did something 
very special for my writing career because it's a very personal story. It's really close to my heart, and I it was a painful journey to finish the book. I cried a lot. I was very insufferable when I was writing, and as a matter of fact, I had some friends visiting me because this is before pandemic. So I always had visit had visitors from Taiwan. I scared a lot of them because I woke up three or four in the morning start writing. I always go to bed early, um, but uh, somehow at three or four o'clock in the morning, the characters in the book will wake me up, and I will have to start writing. And they just, you know, they woke up in the middle of the night because they needed to go to the loo, and they they saw me writing in the living room, and they were ah, they thought they just I saw a ghost, a ghost or something, you know, because I was really in the, I was not being pleasant, you know, when I was writing. So um, it, it, it's it's it's. I knew that my story somehow. I do believe that it could transcend. Mm -hmm. to, um, it could cross border borders because I really, I think a good story is a good story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and it's about a dramatic family. You know, I'm sure everybody's related to that. Yeah. So yeah. So um, with all the initial. Um, response that I got from the critics, the positive, the glowing remarks that I got from the critics. I think uh, there's a good chance that this book could travel a long way. I have no idea. Yeah. Would you ever consider to write in English or German? No, 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 no. Well, I, well, the, the funny thing is, I just published something on a website, uh, in a mag magazine website in America, and I wrote in that entirely in in. in in English, actually, and that was not difficult because it was like a small piece of um, of of sketch of an essay, so I could do that in English, no problem, um, because I, I I I somehow know the language. But when it comes to creative writing, you know, writing novel, no, I would never consider that because um, because with Chinese, with Mandarin, I can play with the language, I can destroy the language, turn it around, and make it my own. Without thinking about grammar or spelling, or you know, having too many wrong sentences, whatever you know, because I'm. I remember uh, one of the complaints I always got my uh, writing teachers when I was an English major was that I always wrote long sentences that never that never end, and that was really horrible. And so, when I write in Chinese, I don't care about these things. I could just you know. Play with the language, which is a luxury, of course. So, I would never consider writing like a proper size of novel in English or or German. But the thing is, if someone came to me with a nice contract with nice money, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You'll consider. Let's talk. Let's talk. Yeah, but now I I, I don't think I I'm able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So you. Keep your creativity uh, pr products still within Chinese and leave the translation to the translators. Sure, sure, yeah. Um. So, uh, the other two volumes of the summer trilogy are they in process uh, of being translated? If I may well, ask. Yeah, well, I have an agent. Um, um, who's a wonderful agent. His name is Gray Gray Tan. Um, so he has a like a a, a, a publishing um like a copyright um, um office in Taipei. I work with him. So first, we need to finish the the cycle of Ghost Town because you know Ghost Town just got published in 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 the uh, English speaking countries. As a matter of fact, I just saw online that um uh, uh, some Australian bookstores are actually selling Ghost Town. I saw that online. I was like, wow! So I, 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 gosh! I somehow reached Australia, um, and so I 
um, we need to finish this this cycle because now we have sourced um, 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 nine languages. We wanted more. So after we finish this cycle, we'll move on to the other two. I think we should move on to Luoshan um, 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 So the good people, the good men upstairs, you know, so that's because that's a story that I believe will really travel to different countries. Yes, so. yes. Um, I just want to share a little bit um, what I read today. Well, actually, I was on audiobook. Um, there is a novel that is by Indonesian writer, Ika Kawa. I can't remember his surname, but the book title is called the beauty the beauty is wound um it has a similar um take compared um compared to and i think yeah when we have after this chat i'll probably send you an email and let you know about that book it's it's pretty good i listened to the first chapter and really enjoyed it it's got a similar take yeah i've got two two more questions i got so many questions for you <laughs> two more questions what is home? What's the concept? Where is home for you? Well, home is not just a place. You know, I, of course, home. Oh, this, this is a, a funny story because um, to get into university in Taiwan, in my generation, we will have to do a big uh, state exam, like that's really it's called like entrance examination to university. So we had to do that. And of course, one of the big subjects um, was English. So mm -hmm. we had to write something in English. And that year, um, the topic of that that writing um, assignment was called A Home is Not a House, mm -hmm. which is a wonderful topic, right? I mean, so a home is a spiritual idea, you know, it's where you feel comfort. It's not necessarily a, a, a physical environment. Mm -hmm. A house is a physical structure that you don't necessarily feel at home. So, you know, it can elaborate a lot you know based on this topic so i really enjoyed doing this and i eventually scored really high which helped me to get into to college but um what, what's really funny is that right after that hour of examination i came out you know of the of, of the place where we did examination and i ran into a friend of mine you know who was doing the examination as well and he, he he looked at me and said oh my god this topic is so difficult it's so abstract and i thought ah yeah i know a house is not a home. It's really difficult. And he looked at me like, no, the topic was a horse is not a home. Oh dear, oh no. I looked at him like, <laughs> oh my God. And he kept telling me that he wrote a, a horse is some kind of animal with four legs, da, da, da. a home is a la la la. And oh he God. really went on and on. And I, I was really, I was really struggling. Should I tell him the truth? Yeah, but he's fine now. He's fine now. But that, that really hit him hard because, of course, at the end of the day, after other subjects, I told him the truth that the topic is actually a house, not a home. He was like, what? Yeah. So, so you know, let's go back to the idea of home. Um, home is not necessarily a physical environment, right? So for me, home is where I can write, right? Um, I, I can write my books. Um, my essays here in Berlin. So this is my home. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, I don't have a physical home in Taiwan anymore. You know, I do have a house in my hometown, Yongjing in Zhanghua in Taiwan. Mm -hmm. But my sister, my big sister is living in the house. It's her home now. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I still have a room there, but whenever I go home, I spend time there. I don't feel that it belongs to me. It's my sister's place. Mm -hmm. And I'm only feeling like, really comfortable 100% myself 
I can just be naked and be messy and disgusting in my home in Berlin. So that's where my home is now. Um, but of course, I do believe that home is plural. It's not just one place. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's it's Taipei, it's Zhanghua, it's Berlin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I think home is really somewhere I just can just totally be myself. Mm-hmm. I see. Um, the final questions I would like to ask you, Kevin, is that what books are you reading now? Do you have any Taiwanese books or authors that you would like to recommend to our listeners? Sure. Um, of course, let me recommend the uh, the Taiwanese um, authors first. Of course, the first one that came to my head is surely Wu Mingyi, because um, two of his um, um, novels actually translated in, um, into English by a director who translated my ghost town. The first one is uh, The Man with, with Compound Eyes, um, Fu Yanzhen. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one is The Stolen Bicycles, which was long listed in the, in the International Booker Prize. So it's and really Booker, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Booker Prize. And so uh, it's, it's uh, if you wanted to start uh, with Taiwanese fictions, go to Wu Mingyi, you know, because these, he's, he's a wonderful writer. Very mysterious stories. And you can learn a lot from the um, from his books about Taiwanese history as well. Mm-hmm. And he's a, he's a good friend of mine, so um, I'm really proud to say that he's a friend. And and uh, other recommendations, honestly, there are not so many translations out there. It's really difficult to get our works being translated. But I would recommend a. I can show you on the screen. You know, there's a book that yeah, the Mermaid's Tale by the way, Jing. She died um, of cancer. So this book was only published after she passed away. So it was really tragic. Um, she didn't even get to revise it, you know. So I'm sure that if she survived through this this horrible disease, she would have wanted to somehow revise it. But I think the beauty of the book is that it's it's this raw honest honesty. Yeah. So um, I would recommend Li Weijing's The Mermaid's Tale, Ren Yuji. And if you want to go for it, like like a thriller, I would I would recommend Zhang Guoli. Um, I have the German translation here. Okay. Um, I think the English translation is called The Sniper. Okay. Uh, Zhang Guoli. It's a thriller. It's a fun read, and actually, it has become a bestseller um, in in Paris, in France. Oh, okay, interesting. Popular, and and he actually wrote a sequel to this one. Which hasn't been published in Taiwan yet, but it was already published in 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 in, in um, France in Paris, and so it's wonderful. And it's uh, uh, published by the biggest publishing house um, in France, uh, Garima. So it's it's a wonderful publishing house. So it's it's great. So uh, if you're looking for like a, a criminal story, a, a, a thriller, I would recommend Zhang Guoli, The Sniper. It's a fun read. Hmm. Okay. So uh, you still haven't tell me what. You're currently reading now, I believe that you. Oh, I'm reading. Um, why am I reading now? I just um, I just I, I placed an order yesterday because okay. okay so I, I recently got got reviewed by uh, Peter C. Baker um, on New York Times, and I, of course, I had to Google him and realized that, that he just published his very first novel in May this year. So I ordered his 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 novel. It's called Planes. So I'm going to read that. What did I just finish? My gosh! Oh, yeah, I just finished the American author Amor Tao's uh, fiction called Lincoln Highway. I think it's called Lincoln Highway because I, I'm sorry, I read the, the the Chinese translation in Taiwan, translated by a, a, a wonderful translator called Li Jingyi. Um, Lincoln Gonglu is the Chinese trans- mm-hmm. translation. Amor Tao's it's 
is amazing writer. I mean, he sold really、uh, literally millions of copies in America, and his his storytelling skills and techniques are just sim- simply、um, amazing. So、um, that was a fun read. Yeah. So what else did I read? My gosh, I didn't think about this question at all. I wasn't prepared. <laughs> But I'm going to start reading um, um, planks by Peter C. Baker,、mm. um, probably next week. So,、uh, oh wait, I just finished、um, Andrew Shangriya. I, I have it somewhere my, here, right here. I just, I just finished this one actually.、Um, it's An- Andrew、uh, Shangriya,、mm-hmm. who is a winner of the Pulitzer Prize. He's a gay writer,、um, and it's、um, I just finished Less Is Lost. It's、mm-hmm. a sequel. Less, a really fun. Funny fiction, and which won the Pulitzer Prize,、um, which was a pleasant surprise because when we think about Pulitzer Prize and all the major、um, literature awards, we're like literary、oh, focus, yeah, yeah, oh, that serious, right? Yeah, but Shangri、yeah. is a fun writer. This is funny. It's about a middle-aged gay man who is a writer whose last name is is Les, who's traveling around the world, and and it's it's always a disaster on the way. It's making you laugh. So I just finished、uh, I finished Les years ago. Now I just finished、uh, Les is Lost by Andrew Shangriya. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for those recommendations, Kevin. It has been、uh, such pleasure and my honor chatting with you. And thank you so thank much you. for sharing your life experience and insights about your work. Please do get your agent to arrange you to come to Australia if you can. The Sydney Writers、oh. Festival. Yeah, please do come. Yes. Take care. People down under, please invite me. I would love to be there. You love me. I'm a fun person, so <laughs> just make sure that I will have somehow find a door to fly up、um, to catch a flight to Australia. I would love that. Yes. Love that. Thank you again, Kevin. Thank you for your time. Thank you. You. See you down under. Okay. Thank you so much, Kevin. Bye. And that's the end of our episode. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, and give us a five star rating. If you'd like to support us, what we do here at Asian Bitches Down Under, head to our Buy Me Coffee page and make a donation for us to continue the intersectionality in the podcast industry. So that's it from us this week.、Um, we'll chat to you next time. Bye. Bye.